Welcome everybody. It's, it's a real delight to see all of you for our time together. And we're going to be continuing with this theme, this theme of where we get to play with perception, playing with perception. And as I've been going over again and again and again, it's based on this uh, um, idea that I began with that our minds, every moment of experience, our minds are part of the co-creation of this moment of experience. Our minds are co-creating the world that we're in. I'll give you the example in the first talk around, we perceive and experience the world so differently from different animals. And then last time I shared with you this quote that I think shows how the mind is always partly shaping the world we're in. Like that popular quote that you know, if, if a pickpocket meets a holy person, the pickpocket will see only their pockets. If that's your view of the world, trying to steal from pockets, then you're only going to see pockets. It's going to narrow the perception. It's going to narrow the world that you inhabit. And we're playing with perception to broaden perception because it can lead, if done skillfully, uh, to freedom in our lives. So we're going to take the, the next step with this. And I'd like to start with a, a story that's taken from a, a book. It was a book that was co-written with the Dalai Lama, and it was uh, a book that was based on some interviews that a psychiatrist by the name of Howard Cutler had done with the Dalai Lama. And Howard Cutler had spent some time with the Dalai Lama and was learning these, these practices and was inspired. And he's sharing a story of trying to put into practice some of what he was learning from the Dalai Lama as he was traveling around. So I want to share with you kind of the short story here. He begins, he says, in trying to apply the Dalai Lama's method of shifting perspective on, you could say, the difficult person, I happened to stumble upon another technique one afternoon. During the course of preparing for this book, I attended some teachings by the Dalai Lama on the East Coast. On my return home, I took a nonstop flight back to Phoenix. As usual, I'd booked an aisle seat. Despite having just attended spiritual teachings, I was in, in a rather cranky mood as I boarded the packed plane. Then I discovered I had been mistakenly assigned a center seat, sandwiched between a man of generous proportions who had the annoying habit of draping his forearm over my side of the armrest, and a middle-aged woman whom I took an immediate dislike to because I had decided she had usurped my aisle seat. There was something about this woman that really bothered me. Her voice a bit too shrill, her manner a bit too imperial. I'm not sure. Right after takeoff, she began talking continuously to the man sitting directly in front of her. The man turned out to be her husband, and I, gallantly, offered to exchange seats with them, but they wouldn't have it. They both wanted aisle seats. I grew more annoyed. 
the prospect of five solid hours seated next to this woman seemed unbearable. And realizing that I was reacting so strongly to a woman who I didn't even know, I decided that it must be transference. She must subconsciously remind me of someone from my childhood, the old unresolved feelings of hate toward my mother or something. I racked my brain, but couldn't come up with a likely candidate. She just didn't remind me of anyone from my past. It then occurred to me that this was the perfect opportunity to practice. So I started in on the technique of visualizing my difficult person in my aisle seat as a cherished benefactor placed next to me to teach me patience and tolerance. I figured this should be a, a snap. After all, as difficult people go, you couldn't get any milder than this. I had just met this woman and she hadn't actually done anything, anything to harm me. After about 20 minutes, I gave it up. She still bugged me. I resigned myself to remaining irritable for the rest of the flight. Sulking, I glared at one of her hands that would have, was furtively encroaching on my armrest. I hated everything about this woman. I was staring abs absently at her. I was staring absently at her thumbnail when it occurred to me, do I hate that thumbnail? Not really. It was just an ordinary thumbnail, unremarkable. Next, I glanced, glanced at her eye and asked myself, do I really hate that eye? Yes, I did. <laughs> of course, for no good reason, which is the purest form of hate. I focused in closer. Do I hate the pupil? No. Do I hate the cornea, that iris, or that sclera? No. So I don't really hate that eye. I had to admit that I didn't. I felt that I was on to something. I moved on to a knuckle, a finger, a jaw, an elbow. And with some surprise, I realized that, were, that there were parts of this woman I didn't hate. Focusing on details, on particulars instead of overgeneralizations allowed a subtle internal change, a softening. This shift of perspective tore, uh, tore an opening in my prejudice just wide enough to look at her as simply another human being. As I was feeling this, she suddenly turned to me and started a conversation. I don't know what we talked about. It was small talk mostly. But by the end of the flight, my anger and annoyance had been disfused. Granted, she wasn't my new best friend, but she also was no longer the evil usurper of my aisle seat. Just another human being like me moving through life as best as she could. this shift nothing grand or dramatic but i want to say significant and it was a shift that was brought on by playing with perception this is what we're exploring is is and for this evening what i'm curious is how can all of us play with perception to allow something different in our relationships with others. So in particular, how are you perceiving other people? Because you probably notice a lot of our challenges are around our relationships with other people. And I shared with you 
I think it was in that first talk, that quote from William Blake, may God, may God keep us from single vision. And in this context, to keep us from a single narrow vision of another person. Because that's where the problem is, isn't it? When there's a narrowing of how you see someone else. And true, it, it happens to ourselves too. We see ourselves sometimes in, with such narrow vision. When right in front of us, if it's another person, there's someone that has so many dimensions and yet the vision can be so narrow. And in this story I just shared with you, it was the single vision of resentment. And then there was the breaking out of that single vision. Maybe you've noticed the single vision. The challenging or difficult conversation with your parent or your child or your partner or ex-partner or that coworker or sibling. And your mind has those certain stories and perceptions about them even before they finish that sentence. Ever notice that? And I, I want to point out that this is not only about breaking out of the single vision of resentment, but other narrow visions that you might realize are there in the mind. The place that I become curious about this is it's so fascinating. Sometimes it's the people that I feel like I know the best that, wow, I can have such a narrow vision about them. And it even can be a, a vision that has a quality of care to it. And again, I invite you to become curious about this, especially those people who you know, quote unquote, really well. Again, it might be the children in your lives, the parents, siblings, partners, ex-partners, friends, coworkers, bosses. You know, one example I, I noticed this is um, around my partner and, and mine, our, our niece. She used to live with us and we take care of her. And the vision that often is the single vision I have of her is one of concern. Is she paying her bills? Is she going to find a, a safe place to live? Is that the place that she's going to be living? Is she, is she eating healthy? I wonder who she's hanging out with. Is she doing all right? Is she not doing all right? Is she getting depressed? Does she have a lot of anxiousness? Is she going to see somebody about that? Should I remind her about that? And yeah, you can hear it's complicated, not just concern, it's worry. <laughs> and, and even in that, where there's something that's at least some compassion intertwined, it's such a single vision. I'm only seeing her through the lens of all right or not all right. Her life is so multidimensional, so vast. And if I get stuck in that, my interactions with her are so narrow and I know she feels it to be treated as a, as a kind of a one dimensional being. Have you ever noticed this? I think it's sometimes more with the people we're around the most. It feels like I know them. God, God keep us from single vision. 
So this is what's so important to broaden our perception of others in skillful ways. And in particular, to broaden it where there's a fluidity so I can take on certain kind of perceptions. For example, having concern at times is really important. It's not like I'm throwing away that perception. It's just multiplying them. And having a broadness of vision or perception where I'm taking in these multiple different dimensions of another being. I think it's so important to have these different ways of perceiving around our relationships to allow something different to arise. So how are we going to explore this tonight? Because I want to take you through an experiment around this to get more of a sense of the fluidity of perception and also how it can bring in more dimensionality. And we're going to be doing this through a classical teaching that probably many of you know, which is the teaching of the Brahma Viharas, but to kind of feel into them, hopefully in a little bit different way. The, the heart quality of kindness, compassion, appreciative joy and equanimity. And one of the reasons I wanted to share this with you also is to get a sense of uh, often the sense of perception. Sometimes when the word perception is used, uh, often people can start to uh, merely think about it in terms of perceiving with the eyes or perceiving with the ears in terms of sounds. But hopefully you'll get a sense that perception is a full-bodied experience. When I'm quote-unquote perceiving another person in a different way, what I notice is there's a shift in the heart as if the heart can perceive. And somebody told me in, uh, in I think it's in Sufism, the heart center is seen as another faculty. Like you have the eye faculty, the ear faculty, but you have a, a kind of spiritual faculty where the kind of the heart is sensing. And I found this so helpful to get a sense of perception, that perception isn't just happening here in the head. It's like every cell of the body is perceiving. And I think it's uh, uh, really helpful to start to get a sense of that when I use this word perception. So Brahma Viharas around this. The first thing that I want to point out is in terms of navigating the difficult people in our lives, this is really important because I think sometimes we can uh, see the, the, the Raviharas a little bit differently, is that like maybe there's someone in your life that is just like, wow, this is so difficult right now with this person. And an important practice if we have some kind of interpersonal challenge like that is to practice these Brahma Viharas, the feeling of kindness and compassion and appreciative joy and equanimity towards people where it's really, really easy and lots of fun. Where our heart is being filled with these Brahma Viharas. Because if you noticed that, that sometimes when there's a challenge in our life, all the attention is going to the challenge or the difficulty. And you're act, interacting with people, even if it's on the phone or Zoom, probably every day, where it's easy for you to feel some kindness towards them or some appreciative joy. And so often it's like, oh, there's the problem. I need to work with a difficult person. 
sometimes the best way to work with a, the difficult person is to not work with the difficult person. <laughs> is to expand, find the places where there's a sense of joy and kindness and compassion and equanimity really easily. It strengthens the heart to deal with the difficulty. And so often we can forget this. And these are these Brahma Viharas are particular ways of seeing or perceiving another being and ourselves. And I want to say they're just four ways of looking, four ways of perceiving. There's multiple ways of perceiving another being or ourselves. But I want to use these because they're kind of classical and I think quite interesting. So I want to go over them in terms of the different dimensions that I get to perceive of another being when I sense into these. One is, is kindness. And I, I love the, the commentary of the Vasudhimaga around this, the way it defines loving kindness, which is the object is the goodness in another being. We're talking about other people right now. Seeing the goodness and what naturally arises when I fully take in, like into my heart, the goodness of another being, that natural response, that's going to be the definition of loving kindness. Oh, my heart is full in this particular way when I'm touched by another being's goodness. Oh, and then I want to wish them well. May you be happy, may you be healthy, safe, at ease. And then the second one, compassion, when if we see kind of kindness maybe being the, the, the foundation, when I have a sense of their goodness, but not only that, I have a sense of their suffering, that they're, they, they're having a hard time. They're a human being like the, me. They feel the human predicament of suffering at times. And when I open to that and I'm moved and touched by their suffering, that's compassion. That's what naturally arises in the heart when the heart's in a wise place. And then naturally, I'm going to want to have this wish that they're free from suffering. And I feel the care for them. So there's two different flavors I'm perceiving differently. One is goodness at the heart. The second one, the, 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 what's bring, coming into the heart is their stress or their suffering. And then the heart responds, it's perceiving differently. And then the third one, appreciative joy, it's when I'm perceiving the joy in their lives. And then I'm moved by that. I get so happy, I get filled with joy. It's a certain perception. And then there's equanimity, right? The sense of um, I care, I might care for them, but I can't completely control their happiness and unhappiness. Right? I, I care, but this is the way things are. I care for them and their happiness and unhappiness are dependent upon a whole host of causes and conditions, not just my wishes for them. Now, this is the way it is. So it's when I take in the conditionality of the arising of a life that there's equanimity. Right? I'm touching a different aspect of their beingness. It's like, oh, I can feel that. I can sense that there's all these conditions that give rise to this particular person in front of me. 
and I don't have complete control over it. Uh, there's equanimity in that sense. It's different ways of perceiving. And I want to point out there's some subtleties here that are that are important. Sometimes when we practice loving kindness, because we're gonna we're gonna practice this all together, it's a kind of a universal quality. Especially if you've ever done radiating loving kindness. I'm not taking in so much the particulars of, of beings. I'm just showering them with a feeling of kindness because I'm kind of uh, sensing into the, their inherent goodness, but not their particularity of their goodness. And sometimes the Brahma Viharas can have more of this universal feeling of all beings. It's great. It's good. For this way of shaping perception, I'm really curious also about particularities and to practice that so that I'm taking in the particular being that's, that's in front of me. Because this helps with this uh, getting the whole body to perceive in a fluid way, in a multidimensional way, not just in a universal way. Okay, so I want to review when we come in, and I'll, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about the specifics of the practice in just a little while, just a few more details and some caveats, and then the particularities of the practice that we'll be doing together. Remember, what we're looking for to taste in when, I, when we get to the exercise is a fluidity of perception. What's it like? What's kind, kindness like compared to compassion? Can you feel the shift? Can you feel the shift from compassion to joy? Can you feel the shift from uh, joy to equanimity to feel that there's a different way of perceiving that happens, almost like a different world is arising? That's what I'm curious about you to taste. And then also to taste the multidimensionality, like you might be doing this with certain beings where you don't know them so well. So you're kind of imagining their lives, but it's expanding your sense of their possible multiple dimensions. These are the two things. I need to make some caveats around these practice of the Brahma Viharas, which I think are really important, especially when it comes to challenges in our uh, interpersonal relationships. One is, is we're not, I'm not inviting you to try to get certain ways of perceiving off the table necessarily, especially ones that can be complicated for us, such as skillful outrage or skillful anger or even feeling threatened, the perception that I feel not safe. Like, I'm not interested in <laughs> you leaving those perceptions behind. Those can be super helpful at times. There are some situations where it's really helpful to see another human being as a threat or as a danger that I don't want to completely open up to them. Because that feeling of not feeling completely safe is aligned with this context and situation that I'm in. It's not overgeneralizing about that person, but it's, it's, there are situations like that. And I, I think it's important to name that, that our physiology can, can take care of us if, if we can allow us ourselves to have multiple perceptions like this. And yeah, maybe there are certain perceptions like ill will and hatred that we'd want to take off the table, but that's another conversation right now. And also, 
around these different ways of perceiving around the Brahma Viharas, it, it's also important to keep in mind um, the dynamics of power. Like th there's been a lot written about how, you know, forgiveness and compassion can be usurped to keep dynamics of oppression going. Like if you get somebody who has less power, if, if they continue to forgive and have compassion to the perpetrator, and then sometimes they're off the hook, and then you're back, and then it happens again, and then a little bit of compassion, forgiveness, they're off the hook. And there can be all kinds of dynamics like this that is not very compassionate for the person inflicting the harm and not very compassionate for the person receiving the harm. This is important whenever we, we play with perception. Because if we elevate certain perceptions too much in a, in a rigid way, they become a single vision, which is always dangerous. You know, I remember this experience when somebody was trying to offer me a certain perception of someone who was, was at a workplace. And I was in a work situation where my boss was incredibly emotionally abusive. And it jarred my system so deeply. And somebody who's not good. And somebody said to me, oh, you know, he I know he has some deep anger issues, but you need to know that actually he really cares about you. Do you know that he really loves you? Do you hear how that can really undermine my system and undermine some healthy perceptions around this person who had power over me? Right, Because it can undermine my own feeling of hurt and skillful outrage. Because what that can imply is that you shouldn't feel outraged. You should know that he loves you and that you should care about him. And yeah, there's a place for that, but it can be also a dangerous perception that can undermine other important perceptions that I need to feel and to have online. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that compassion is a bad thing. That would be really bad being a Dharma teacher. <laughs> I think I'd be maybe kicked out of my job, but uh, it, it's to see that there's a, a subtlety here. Like it, it's so important to have compassion for those who perpetrate harm. I think it's essential for a healthy community and society. Yes, we when anything ha happens, like even the people inflicting it are suffering, and to make sure it's not being harnessed to minimize a dynamic of harm that's going on. There's, so there's a I, I, I'm bringing I'm I'm pointing this out to show that there's a real skill in how we perceive to find multiple ways of perceiving, but not just randomly. And the basis is: is it harmful or is it onward leading? Okay. Let's now take a. Can we take a three minute break, which means just taking some time to stand up, move the body just and then we're going to move into this uh, kind of meditative exercise altogether that we'll be doing together. So just three minutes and let's come back at five minutes past the hour, five minutes past seven o'clock in Colorado time.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.